Sunday Show Fight Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Carmen. Got the co-host, Aaron Downtown Brown. Hey, hey. Some commish. Yo. So we got we got some more fun sleeper stud depth. And then I think we said we're gonna add a bust uh category into the mix when we start talking uh fantasy relevant players in uh divisional. Um so that's kind of cool. And then we're going to go into a little bit of a uh, best ball talk at the end. And but before we get all that going, I want to touch base on the giant elephant in the room. And that is me and the commissioners, Boston Celtics in the finals. Once again, how you feeling commission? Oh man, I so excited! So excited to get the uh, the Celtics in the finals here, man. It's uh, it's been a long time coming. It's been a twelve year hiatus that since they they last reached the finals, feels like forever ago. It feels like a lot longer than that for sure. But I'm, I'm just pumped to see them back in there. It was awesome to see them kind of steal game one there at, at the end. You know, they uh, Golden State showed some championship medal though. Game two, uh, you know, it was. It was Kind of a sort of a must win for them there. You never want to lose two games at home right out the gate. So they, they, they came to play in the second half of game two and, and really took it to the Celtics. But it's, uh, you know, overall, like we were talking about before we, we came on here, you know, if as a Celtics fan, if you told me six months ago that all that all the Celtics had to do was protect their home court and they were going to hang up a banner this year, I would have told you you were nuts. So all of us, all of us in the Celtics nation will, will happily take where we're at right now and, you know, at least for a couple more weeks here, we're going to be all basketball all the time as sports fans, but we're still here cranking out that fantasy content for you, as always. You said you were cheering for the Celtics, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I think just for them to get there, I definitely wanted them to see the, the you know, this them be in the finals, you know, that I think they're, you know, it's just a good story, I think, to for the NBA. it def, I think it definitely caught some, um, you know, some casual, casual sports fans to... Um, you know, catch some of these games, some of the finals, you know. Uh, so I, I definitely like that about it. Um, I think it'd be good, you know, kind of, I mean, I think it is kind of, you know, known that at least they're, the Warriors are favored overall in the series. But so it's always fun to kind of root for the underdog story and and to watch them take take game one, as Kamish said, is, is pretty cool. And then, yeah, game two, they kind of tied it up. So we'll, we'll kind of see as the season go or the, series goes on but it, it it's definitely fun uh like i said it's a little twist a little different different year that than what we're used to all right all right so enough of the basketball let's get into the fantasy content and so this this week we decided to go with the afc east for our division topic um i guess i'll ki- i'll go ahead and kick it off with our uh stud and I really, I'll be honest, I didn't spend a whole lot of time on the stud uh, deliberations because as far as I'm concerned, uh, there is really only one stud in the AFC East and his name is Josh Allen. So uh, (laughs) uh, from a dynasty perspective, from a redraft perspective, from a keeper perspective, (laughs) I mean, the guy has just got stud written all over him. Uh, He makes big throws, scores lots of points week in and week out. I mean, I've got him 
I've got shares in them in every league I possibly can. So as far as I was concerned, when you talk stud, he's been QB one the last two years now. So uh, I, I guess there's nothing more studly than that. What, what say you, Mr. Kamish? I completely agree with you. That's the same name I had down here. And I think it's uh, – I have a hunch that we're going to go three for three on this one. Maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, there's, there's not a ton more to add about Josh Allen. Uh, you know, the back-to-back QB1 overall finishes really hammers it home. Uh, as, a, as a fan of uh, an AFC East team, the New England Patriots specifically, I, this is a division that I'm relatively familiar with. Like, I see these teams play a couple times a year. And, you know, it's, it's Buffalo's division to lose right now. As odd as that is for me to say, as a, a 31-year-old Patriots fan who's seen nothing but dominance in my lifetime, it's definitely a little, a little different. And uh, I could go on for on and on about how uncomfortable I am with the Patriots currently. But, you know, to keep it simple here in the stud section, you, know, you got Josh Allen. Obviously, if you're playing in the Superflex League, he's, you're going to have to spend a top two pick on this guy at, at worst. Uh, but even at one QBs, you know, these, these, these quarterbacks really are worth spending up on. And that's because the, the, these top quarterbacks, they maintain relevance for just an, an insane amount of time, especially nowadays where we have QBs playing well into their late thirties and even their forties in some cases. So you make you, it does take a lot to get these guys for guys like, you know, Mahomes and Josh Allen, but even in one QB league, if you do make a one-time investment in a top end quarterback like this, you can reap the rewards for a decade. And in some cases, even longer. So I know one quarterbacks kind of get devalued in one quarterback leagues and, and I get it, but you know, it, it is still a position that you don't want to ignore completely in, in, in those formats. And, you know, Josh Allen's a stud. And this is a guy that if, if you if you are able to make that investment in him, I recommend doing it sooner rather than later, just so you can, so you can plug this guy into your lineup and just forget about that position for the foreseeable future. All right. Well, well, well. So we're, so it's so it's up to me to go three for three. Am I am I am I going to come through or not? Uh, so I'm going to say, of course not. I'm, I am not here. <laughs> and I kind of went um, in the direction kind of in our first AFC West direction that I, I, I kind of figured Josh Allen was kind of kind of a known stud. You know, I went Cooper Cup last week. I kind of didn't want to go back to back weeks going total chalk. So. I agree with you. I guess I would say like three for three as far as Josh Allen being the stud. I don't think there's like any debate there. And he's a clear cut, you know, clear cut top tier fantasy um, QB too. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to disagree with that take. Um, I just wanted to be a little ornery this week and kind of go a completely different uh, approach since I went so chalk last week. So hear me out. So this is the one that this, this will probably cause a little stir, and I kind of wanted, I, like I said, I wanted to be a little ornery this week. And uh, it's kind of funny. So my stud here, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going with the thought of a guy that I think is going to, that's undervalued and is going to ex- extremely over deliver this year. Okay. So are you ready? Dr- drum roll, please. <laughs> uh, my stud I, I'm, I chose is Gabriel Davis. All right. So. I kind of thought back and forth between do I want to call this guy a sleeper or stud? And I, I ended up saying, Hey, you know what? I'm going to try to make a, make a case for him to be a stud this year. You know, that's kind of why we're on air sometimes try to get these takes, try to get ahead of the curve a little bit. And I'm going to try to try to take a stab at it with, with Gabriel Davis. All right. So a couple of shows back, we talked about like free agent winners and, 
I didn't bring up his name, but he was certainly one of the top winners in free agency, meaning um, the Bills didn't draft, uh, you know, young. You know, they, they didn't really invest too heavily in the draft with a wide receiver. They didn't go have heavy in uh, free agency. They did get Crowder, but he's probably going to take Beasley's spot. So they pretty much have total interest in Gabriel Davis uh, taking over that number two role, which has kind of been a hit or miss from week to week or year to year with, with Buffalo, where um, I think they, they got a lot of confidence in him, right? So if you look back a little bit, and I think Captain Carmen and I were joking because we have him in a, on a league and we were talking about him. And I think, Carmen, you probably remember this. And I, I think I said a comment there like, whoa, now, wait, easy, easy on your take there. But I, I kind of called out that I think he's going to have either equivalent or better year than T. Higgins last year. And at the time, I thought it was a little bit of a bullish take. I was like, all right, am I going too far or not? But then I started looking at it and um, I realized Gabriel Davis being the fourth option last year um he had he had 571 snaps for the bills which was about less than half so only about 47 percent of the team snaps last year in the season right so if you look compare him to Diggs, Diggs was uh Diggs was up there um he was about 81 percent, obviously right being their number one number one target right um but out of the 571 snaps um davis had 35 receptions 549 yards and six touchdowns. All right. Now comparing him to T Higgins who had 711 snaps, right? Um, 74, just over a thousand yards and six touchdowns as well. Right. So Gabriel Davis had the same amount of touchdowns with them. So that equates to about 17% of his catches last year were touchdowns, right? Meaning Josh Allen has a lot of confidence in Davis um, in the in the red zone, right? Uh, so I definitely like that approach. Uh, T. Higgins, however, right? So with his touchdown ratio, is only 12, 12%, right? Um, overall, you know, I, I would say, you know, as far as, um, you know, the, the, the percentage goes as far as um, receptions out of the snaps, how many? Out of his snaps, how many times does he catch the ball? It's 10%, right? So that's pretty that's pretty neat with T. Higgins. Gabriel Day- Davis, however, had six, 6%, right? So it's a little bit less, but as the fourth option, right? So I, I'm looking for him to take that leap this year as the number two, um, where if, if he's up there in the, in the 80% range, such as Diggs, he can, he can kind of crush and kind of be in the middle of Diggs and T. Higgins of last year. Right. So uh, T, it's not really out of the question for uh, Gabriel Davis. I'm going to say he's going to end up being wide receiver 15, which is borderline wide receiver one. Right. Just out of the top 12, meaning he's going to be he's going to over deliver his value in in fantasy to where many fantasy players play him at the flex spot. He's going to over deliver the flex position. Um, So I, I really like a combination of all that stuff to where. If he's playing more snaps, um, he's kind of proven that Josh Allen likes throwing him the ball, him being at the number two spot. I mean, some of these ratios actually show he's going to have a similar season to Diggs. If, you know, I know there's a lot of, you know, caveats you can throw out there where, you know, he, he might have better corner matchups and whatnot. But that's my take. Um, I wanted to kind of throw one out there, but I'm going to say wide receiver 15 is kind of a hot take slash stud 
take here. I'm coming right off the top. Gabriel Davis as my stud. Okay. Um, so look, I have lots of Gabriel Davis. She is, uh, I will not argue with you liking Gabriel Davis. Uh, I just, I just not sure. I'm not sure you can put him at stud yet just because he's got to kind of prove it. Now I will tell you this. The interesting thing about Gabriel Davis is that, uh, in the six games he started, he had either a hundred yards receiving or a touchdown. So when he did get those opportunities, he definitely, definitely, definitely cashed in on them. Um, I just, I'm just not okay with the wording of a stud and anyone who knows me in my other, you know, dynasty league, I'm, I'm real particular about throwing that word around as commission can probably, uh, Mm-hmm. attest to because I've gone to many arguments <laughs> on the use of that word. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I like Davis. I just, I just, I'm not good with him at, at, as a stud uh, just yet. What, what, what's your take on it, Kamish? Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything both of you have said already. I think uh, I do see a path for Davis to, to perform it, outperform his ADP. He's currently going as a 36 wide receiver off the board. In, um, in startup drafts. So I you know, I think there's definitely meat on the bone for him to outperform that ranking. But like you said, Captain Carmen, I, I think it's really tough to put him in that stud category when he hasn't he hasn't shown it yet. And I just – I'd be a little more comfortable with, uh, with some other guys, maybe through Diggs' name out there, even Tyree Kill, who I'm not super high on. I, I, could, I could wrap my head around that. So I think it's a good call-out in terms of a player that should definitely be on, on – fantasy manager's radar. I just, uh, I think you forgot that we're doing the sleeper section later. And I think that's probably the better, uh, the better place for a guy like Gabriel Davis, if I'm being honest. Yeah, no, I, I definitely hear you. I kind of want to go an interesting angle. I kind of looked at it as what position are you going to really play them in your lineup? And, um, you know, if, you know, if some people are thinking they're, you know, his, if he's like your borderline flex play or your last flex, and he ends up being the wider, you know, I'm calling it. He's going to end up being like wider server 15 area this year. To me, that's like stream worthy, meaning you can actually, you know, when I think of studs, I think you can play them every single week. And if Gabriel Davis is your, you know, I'm not saying he's your wide receiver one in your lineup, but if he's your flex play that you can, you can count on every single week to outperform like your flex spot. I kind of looked at it in what position in your lineup that you can rely on week to week. And if you're in that type of position in your, in your league, you know, right with your team, I kind of, I kind of thought of that as far as like stream worthy. And I, I feel like if, if you can rely on them as like your second flex or your first flex, like you're going to reap a lot of rewards of, of having him there. All right. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I'm I'm hypercritical of the word stud, but I won't keep, you know, bringing up the same point. It, you know, hey, it's your call out, your option, you chose it. I have lots of Gabriel Davis years, so I'm not going to argue. <laughs> yep, <much>. yep. <laughs> um, Got it. So, uh, Aaron, on that, while we're there, since he's your stud, I'm kind of I'm kind of curious to know. You can kick it off and then go kick it over to commission. I'll, I'll go last. But uh, who 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 do you got as your sleeper then? <laughs> okay, all righty, all righty. So you know, 
kind of going back and forth, you know, we kind of been debating how we, it's interesting how we're, how we're categorizing some of these guys. Right. So, I mean, I did throw out the, the first thing saying, Hey, Josh Allen's a obvious stud worthy one, right. If you're looking at positions and, and sleepers, I'm thinking of these guys where, um, you can have confidence playing them, right? Like you want to, you want to have them either on your bench to where, you know, when you got bye weeks going on, you can confidently, um, you know, stash them away to where they're either going to have a, you know, outperform their ADP as Kamish said, or, um, or you can rely on, rely on them week to week or get them, you know, um, under undervalued. Right. My sleeper actually was Devonte Parker with the Patriots. I think he snuck in with the Patriots being, um, he might turn into their number one option, uh, this year for the, the pass with Bourne number two and Myers is coming out of the slot. I'm very interested to see if that's um, commission's take as well as far as the, the depth chart goes. Um, not not maybe fantasy points, but depth charts wise, I'm I'm thinking Parker's going to you know line up against their best Q, uh, corner week to week. I do like Mac Jones's uh, trajectory of his long ball. Right, I think that plays in um, to the benefit of De- Devontae Parker's game. You know, he's one of the best. Um, you, you know, contested catch wide receivers in the league to where I think Mac Jones needs that. Like you saw that a couple times last year where he does have that confidence to throw the ball, you know, long downfield and he just needs somebody to go up and get it. Um, I actually think Parker's going to snag a lot of touchdowns uh, this year for the Patriots. And he's, for me, he was my sleeper. So I, I went Devontae Parker as my sleeper. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. Uh, I, as a Patriots fan, as we've kind of turned the page away from the Tom Brady era here, uh, when it comes to their, their skill position players, I'll just be honest with you and say I have no idea what the hell they're, they're how that's going to shake out uh, this season or and going forward. You know, they, they kind of just collected a bunch of guys there who are okay, not bad. You know, Kendrick Bourne showed, showed something. Jacoby Myers just showed a little bit. Parker had a good season a few years ago after a lot of hype to begin his career down in Miami. And Hunter Henry was, was a good uh, red zone weapon as well for them last season. So I think, Parker adds a, a physical element that their receivers did not have before. You know, Nelson Aguilar hasn't worked out. Nikhil Harry was was the guy they wanted to be that outside physical receiver. But I, I mean, I, I, I mentioned the guy's name. And I, don't, I have a bad taste in my mouth. So I don't want to talk about Nikhil Harry. He's not going to be on this roster. So moving on from him, I think Parker, I think Parker, if he develops a rapport with Mac Jones, could be someone who definitely fits into the sleeper category. I think there's a there's a wide range of outcomes there. But I think if you're looking to grab a guy who could flirt with double digit touchdowns and, you know, later in drafts, I think Parker is just as good a bet as any. Yeah. I, um, I, uh, I like Parker a lot. Um, only because, uh, he's, he's amongst the best in the NFL in uh contested catches. Um, and one thing Mac Jones will, will give you is an opportunity to make a play. Right. So I, I think that, that bodes well for him. And I think it bodes well for Mac Jones. So I actually like the Parker uh, call out here uh, as a sleeper. Um, I, I know arguments for me on it. Kamish, who, who's your sleeper take? So my sleeper is actually the guy who used to throw Devonte Parker, the football. And that's not, none other than Tua Tagovailoa, who's being drafted and as the 114th overall player in startups giving him a 10th round ADP at position rank 17. And he's been one of the more polarizing players entering this, this season. 
And he hasn't really quite lived up to the, the top 10 draft status that yet he received a few seasons ago. You know, he's still a young player, but given what he has to work with now, it really is sink or swim time for, for Tua entering year three. You know, if you look at look at what Miami's done this offseason, they traded Tyreek Hill and signed him to a massive contract extension. Jalen Waddell has played great as a rookie, you know, hitting uh, the 100 catch mark. And Mike Isecki was TE8 and half PPR last season. And they, they also went and grabbed uh, under the radar signing, in my opinion, is Cedric Wilson, who proved to be a capable fourth option in a crowded situation last year in Dallas. So the the pieces are really are in place for, for Tua to, to have a nice season and really outperform the ADP. And if you look at where guys like Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill are ranked right now in the, in the dynasty in fantasy communities in general, you know, they're both in the top 15 among wide receivers. And if you if you look at Mike Isecki, you'll see he's a mid-range tight end one just about everywhere. So if you just put those those pieces together, Tua has to be a QB one. The odds of, of having two top 15 receivers and a mid-range tight end one and having the quarterback, the guy throwing those weapons to football, not hit the top 12 QB marks is minuscule. The only recent outlier I was able to find of, as, for an example was Kirk Cousins back in 2018 where he finished QB 13. He missed out on, on the QB 12 spot by, by half a point. And, and that season, Thielen and Diggs are both top to 15 wideouts and Kyle Rudolph finished tight at seven. So, and, and I think just Tua showing a little bit more in the rushing department than Cousins ever has in, in his career would easily bump him up into that, into that top 12. So it, it just, it's really what makes him a good sleeper is where you can get him at that range. It's there's not a whole lot of risk associated with them. And this is just really just a lot of upside there. And either all these analysts have to adjust their rankings and move Waddle Parker Gasecki down their board, or they need to or they need to make the adjustment to move Tua up the board. And if I had to had to bank on it, I'm moving Tua up past QB 17, a lot closer to the QB one rankings. And the reason, the reason I think that is really, it's just the math, you know, it just doesn't work out for all those players to be super fantasy relevant if the quarterback isn't also in that same stratosphere at his position. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of glad you brought up the Cousins thing because here's my – I see where you're going with it, and I'm, I'm not – because the value's there. You, but uh, we can both attest that Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs are – Completely different wide receivers. Totally different, right? My issue is that Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill are pretty much the same style of wide receiver. Uh, and that's where I worry a little bit with Will. And I, I, I think that people need to drop one of the two guys' rankings, Waddle or Hill, whoever it's going to be. I think Aseki will still be there. He'll be good. He'll, he'll continue to be a top eight to top ten tight end because Tua will use him as a security blanket. Um, but to your point, at the at the draft position that you're going to get Tua, it's definitely worth it. It's 100% worth it. I just don't like – I don't like – I think – they what they should have done was keep Parker, who's a bigger guy, to play alongside Hill, you know, which is makes a lot more sense for for an offensive scheme. But hey, those guys get paid a whole hell of a lot more money than me. To, I'm over here on my couch, you know, throwing out my opinions. But what what say you, Brown Town? <laughs> no, I I dig the logic honestly with with Tua. Um, I mean, I think 
as far as categorizing him as, as a sleeper is a perfect, you know, perfect um, uh, route to go. Right. Cause like, you know, if you look at social, sometimes you got to just look at social media as well. Right. Like he, he gets a lot of hate. Right. And that naturally makes ADPs, you know, for these players go lower too. I hate to say it, but it, it definitely happens. Right. Like whatever the, the aura is around these guys, right. That sometimes if you can take a stab at them, you kind of reap the benefits of, of, of grabbing them at, uh, you know, um, just, you know, right around the ADPs at, at times. Right. Um, so I think, I think he, I think, they've surrounded him, right? They upgraded their offensive line. They added these weapons, both wide receivers. Um, you know, Cedric Wilson was a great ad, like you said, too. So all, a lot of these, you know, speedy wide receivers that, you know, they say that like Hill kind of goes away from his game, you know, he can't throw him the deep ball and whatnot, but Hill gets a lot of yak, right? Waddle gets a lot of yaks. Cedric Wilson's a speed demon as well. Right. So I think they can do a lot of things in the offense. I, I do. I have an optimistic approach with it as well, but um, I'm I'm worried when it comes to who ends up scoring, who ends up getting touchdowns. Um, you know, maybe that's Kaseki. Maybe he actually ends up being the gold winner out of the whole thing. Like the diamond in the rough is maybe Kaseki reaps all the touchdowns, and you know Hill and Waddle gets all the yards. Right? You, you never know, right? We're just spitballing at this time of the year, but. Um, definitely, um, I, I don't disagree with their approach, right? Cause it's perfect, perfect time to, to look at him as every, if he, as he's getting all this hate around the league from, you know, fans and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'm the last one here on the Hill with the, uh, sleeper picks. And it's funny because mine is Gabriel Davis. <laughs> so that's where <laughs> I thought, I kind of thought that's where you should have been. Uh, we don't need to drain too much of the topic on Davis. I think we covered it largely in the uh, first round, but I think he has all the, the makings to be a top 15, top 18 wide out. Um, so I just think he fits the bill for, Hey, if there's a guy that you want to put on the roster uh, that maybe you do put him in the bottom end of flex spot or you bench him, and see how it plays out. I think that's a perfect candidate for a sleeper. All right. All right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll definitely see how that one goes. I went back and forth my head with Gabe, Gabe Davis. So we'll, we'll definitely see. We'll see if is if he's as far as wide receiver 15. I mean, when I, when I was crunching the numbers, that's what I ended up guessing, right. To kind of envision how, how he steps in with their high flying offense. Right. Um, I guess we'll transition transition on to depth pieces, right? We, we kind of went around the horn for, for sleepers. I want to say, right. I didn't skip anybody no, you this didn't week, skip me this, this week. I appreciate it. Okay. Wasn't sleeping while you're talking. Um, all right. So we can kind of move on to, to depth. And um, for, for me, I'm going back to the Patriots again, right. For my depth piece. Um, I'm going Ramondre uh, Stevenson for the fact of, you know, he, he's year two. I think he had a very, successful rookie campaign right so the you know Belichick you know he, he's kind of shown throughout all the years that um you know when whoever's running in the running the ball in New England Belichick does have um you know confidence in them and as a rookie where you know Harris going down a couple games and him having to step up um he had some great games right last year too and 
I think Belichick's just kind of robotic in the way he's kind of managing, you know, some of the, some of his rookies and whatnot to where, you know, I think Harris has, what's Harris have? Like what, well, I think this is his last season. Right. Um, and then Stevenson is a great stash either as a handcuff or as we talked about in other episodes that he can be the man next, right. Is Harris up. And then guess what they did in the draft? They got uh, Pierre Strong as well. So they're kind of just, I think Belichick just realizes, hey, invest low in these, these uh, running backs. And then, you know, as the rookie contracts are, are coming up, he's kind of a perfect example that, you know, it's kind of just next, next man up. So I think it's just going the, going the rotation for these Patriot running backs that Stevens is good handcuff, but then he's got a good future to maybe step in Damian um, Harris's role in, in years to come. Really good call out there. I like that one. That was actually the same the same name I had written down here for a quality depth piece. And just to set the table a, a little bit and, and expand on it, you know, he, he this is a guy he's going 105th overall in startup drafts. That's that's 11th round ADP position rank is RB 36. And the first thing that most people hear when they 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 see that you're talking about a Patriots running back, they say, "Oh, I don't want that guy." You know, the Patriots running backs, you know, it never works out. It never works out, and all this and all that, but. And half PPR formats in the last five, five of the last six years, they've had at least one running back finish top 24. And the one year they didn't was in 2020 when Cam Newton was stealing rushing touchdowns on the ground left and right. And in four of those six seasons, they actually had a top 14 running back. So a guy who's a stalwart of your lineup, you know, each and every week. So it's important to remember that in a depth piece conversation, if your team's competitive, what you want is a player that's relatively inexpensive and gives you a chance every time you could put him in your lineup. And that and Stevenson definitely fits the bill, you know, just to kind of dive into his rookie season, particularly, you know, he, he actually was able to get on the field in the second half of the season after he was kind of in the doghouse early in, in early in the year, he, you know, he had a really, really costly fumble in week one that, that got on Bill Belichick's uh, bad side. And that fumble essentially cost him the game as well. If you go back and look at that, that game, but from week nine on, he actually averaged 4.8 yards per carry in games that he received at least nine carries. So he proved really to be really good as a rookie, which is a lot more than you can say about his main running mate there, Damian Harris, who took a couple seasons to really get going before he had a real, really fantasy relevant season last year. Now Harris is a free agent, like you mentioned, Aaron, after this year. James White's still on the roster, but he'll be 31 after this season. And the team can actually cut him for nothing against the cap. So I'd imagine – James White at that age isn't really long for the NFL at this point. And it's just him and Pierre Strong, like you said. So if you're playing Dynasty, this is a player you can still target on the cheap. And I think that the window in Stevenson is closing quickly. And if you're able to pounce on him now and grab him, I think he can pay dividends for, for teams if you need someone to throw in there during bye weeks. And if Damian Harris goes down, there's no reason that Stevenson can't hit the double-digit touchdown mark himself. So like to call it a lot. And I'm hopefully, hopefully – uh, for the, the sake of us, my fellow Patriots fans, that he can uh, he can keep pounding the rock into the end zone at the same rate that Harris did a season ago. Yeah, um, I got I got Stevenson cheers too in Dynasty. So um, I'm not I'm not anti Stevenson at all. And I I my only thing is, and anyone who knows this is, I think Bill Belichick hates fantasy and running backs. So. <laughs> That's my only take on that part is you can't, when you think you've got to figure it figured out, this guy is going to be the man. Next thing you know, uh, Rex Burkhead's running in, you know, three touchdowns. But uh, I, I like Stevenson as a depth piece for sure. Um, but I guess I'm going to be the lone wolf to this point and, and go with a jet. 
You know, it, it's been like the Bills Patriots show. I figured we give the young uh, New York Jets a little bit of love. And I'm going to go with uh, Elijah Moore as my depth piece here. Now, you know, he had some injury concerns last year, but when he did play, he made plays. And I think that the Jets are improving along on the offensive line. They've added more weapons through the draft. Brees Hall, uh, who was another guy I was considering as a depth piece, but I think when you're the consensus number one dynasty, you know, pick, I don't really consider that more of a depth piece. I, I consider him a week to week starter. So I went with Elijah Moore here. I think, I think he'll carve out a good portion of the offense. He can stay healthy. And I think that team being young is only going to continue to improve. And I, I, I just like what I saw from Moore when he played, um, especially, you know, in the games he played was able to get open, get separation, make plays from he, as Aaron likes to say, for me, he passed the eyeball test. So uh, I'm, I'm putting Elijah Moore as, and I've said this before, for me, the depth pieces are guys that I'm going to stash on the bench, wait to see how it plays out. But I think, you know, by the mid midpoint of the season, this guy is either a starter in your lineup or a very valuable asset that you can trade to a contender for future assets. So that that's where I'm going with uh, Elijah Moore. I really like Elijah Moore and the call out. And I, I agree with most of what you just said on him. I think he's kind of the forgotten man right now in the AFC East and that everyone's talking about Garrett Wilson or the tight ends that they brought in and, and all that, or Corey Davis still being around there. So I do really like Elijah Moore this season. He's a guy I have shares of as well, Dynasty. My only issue with the take is that it's he's actually still really expensive if you're trying to get him right now. He's currently ranked um, – he's coming off the board in the middle of the fourth round of startup drafts right now. And that's just a, a really high price to pay for him is, is the only my only really gripe with what you said, that, you know, if you're in a startup right now, he's a guy who – if you want him, you really you got to spend significant startup capital on him. And he's a guy that he might take a little bit more time to develop, despite some of the good things we saw from him in year one. But you know, that, that's really my only issue with, with the with the opinion is that it's I, I honestly didn't really know how to rank Elijah Moore when I when I sat down because I, I like the player. I think he's going to be good. I just I just am a little uncomfortable with the cost to acquire him in a startup. I think it's much you're much better off if you drafted him last year. I think he's a good hold to kind of keep on your roster. And if you can fill in your starting lineup early in the year with other guys, I think in that scenario, he would be a really good depth piece. But if you're in a startup right now, it's really tough to, to, uh, to get him at, at the cost that he's going, you know, at, at that going rate and really get the most bang for your buck there. But I like the player. I like the call out and I'm hoping for big, big things from him. So we can finally get a just receiver back on the fantasy landscape for the first time in forever. All right. All right. Um, I like it. I like it for the fact of uh, my bust actually it kind of goes hand to hand with where I'm kind of going. So I do like Elijah Moore. I like, I like, you know, as Carmen said, right. Like I, I he passed the eyeball test, um, you know, from his short sample, you know, I, I know he's injury plagued a little bit last year too, but he did have a lot of good weeks, right. Until kind of burials stepped in, in that, in that slot role and kind of was going crazy last year too. So, um, kind of like I said that's kind of a good segue into my bus candidate here and I I went I went a jet here and that's a guy by the name of Garrett Wilson right so 
I'm not going so far as low as how uh, the commission went with uh, Drake London last week, right? Saying London was going to be the next Nikhil Harry. I'm not saying this with Garrett Wilson, but I think the fact of, you know, not really being able to rate, you know, how this Jet offense is going to do um, this year, where I do like a lot of their offseason moves. They had a great draft overall. I like what they're doing over there um, to kind of build a foundation. Talking dynasty wise, I don't necessarily think Garrett Wilson is a bust, I want to say. But if you're like looking at him in this 2022 season where, you know, where as high as he's going, so if, if you're trying to rely on him and being your your one or two spot or maybe, maybe your wide receiver two in your lineup, um, that's kind of a reach, in my opinion, to where you know, if you look at like CeeDee Lamb and the Cowboys offense last last year when they had, you know, the kind of that that triple threat threat with Cooper lamb, uh, Wilson and Gallup lamb ended up, you know, if you kind of compare him to, to CD lamb, right. Everybody kind of wanted CD to break out. He still ended up, um, in the wide receiver two range, right. As a, as a year two player. Right. So kind of, you know, and that's a Cowboys offense, right? So we're still talking the jets offense here. I don't want to harp on them too much, but I mean, they are in a tough division. They got, really tough defenses against them um you know with, with the with the patriots the um you know the the dolphins and the bills are all pretty elite defenses honestly and secondaries um so it may be a tough year one for him i'm not saying he's a bust overall as a player in his whole career but i'd be a little hesitant to, as far as like what expectations you think he's going to have in year one so i actually went garrett wilson as a kind of redraft thinking on this. So I, I do want to throw out a bullet point there. Just if you're thinking of them in the 2022 season, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, Wilson spreads the ball out to, to everyone in that, that offense. Well, Aaron, you have got me confused to high health. All right. So <laughs> here's the reason why I'm saying this. You've got uh, guys who are sleepers marked as studs. And then we've got rookies marked as busts <laughs> who haven't even played yet. Good Lord, Aaron Brown. You're going <laughs> at some weird angles, my man. Um, so when I think busts, I think of somebody who's a proven commodity through fantasy circles. Um, and it's a, this is up for everyone else's interpretation. But I think it's a proven commodity through fantasy circles who I'm expecting to have a big dip a big dip in production. So, so that, that to me is in my, my terms is what I view uh, a bust. Um, so I'm, I'm not willing to put Wilson there yet. Cause he just hasn't done anything yet uh, to warrant either being a, a stud or a sleeper or a bust in my opinion. Uh, what, what say you commish? Yeah, that's kind of the angle. I, I, I take it from as well. Either a guy who's being drafted highly who I think is, isn't going to come anywhere near their ADP or kind of a guy who's a middle mid round, mid round guy who I don't think will live up to his ADP either. You know, just a guy that I think isn't going to be nearly as, as fantasy relevant as people think. So I think it, I think it's a, a little strong on Garrett Wilson to call him a bus coming off year one. But then again, I'm the guy who in our hot take, hot take segment last week told you that, that Drake London was going to be a bum. So maybe I'm hitting a little bit of that uh, Brown town Kool-Aid myself, but I, I think it's a little too early to call to call Wilson a bust. Uh, that's just my two cents on it, though. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I guess if you want a little more info, my 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 thinking, right? So 
I'm kind of going from the angle of, you know, the ADP, their value of where, you know, the fantasy community is drafting these players at what they're, what the, what the hype is right now, right? We just came off the rookie draft, right? Looking at where some of these guys are getting drafted at either in startups or even rookie drafts, right? Like I'm just trying to like settle, settle down some of this, this rookie hype that I'm saying, Hey, don't expect, um, you know, Wilson to be in the, you know, the top, top 12, right. Year one where, I mean, Hey, if, if he proves me wrong and he's, he's putting up Jamar chase numbers, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be, I don't know if I'll be the first to say I was wrong, but maybe commission can look it up in the archives, but, but, um, I just want to call out like, as far as like, you know, what the trend is right now, where he's getting drafted at. Um, that's how, like, even before he's had a, a snap in the, in the football season, I, I'm ready to call certain certain hypes a bus to where similar to Kamesh, like he, he he's saying London's going to be a bus, right? So I'm kind of going that that uh, route. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you two look at ADP so much because it uh, balances out the fact that I don't really look at it at all. <laughs> so I looked at it. I, I, I guess I always look at things from a already established either dynasty owner or a keeper redraft mindset. So I, I'm kind of glad that you guys consider those things. So like when I'm looking at guys, I'm, I'm literally saying if I have Elijah Moore, this is my take on if I have Elijah Moore. Right. So that's good. Um, I guess, I guess commission, I'll go in with my bust and I'm swinging for the fences on this one, sir, but I'm, I'm going with Tyreek Hill. I think he's got bust written all over him. Oh yeah. Let's hear it. Yeah. First of all, he's not in Kansas city anymore, right? Where he's got that great quarterback to play with, where he's got that great offense to play with, where he's in uh, a division where uh, they're not especially known for defense right? He's now coming into the AFC East. He's going to be drawing some of the better cornerbacks in the AFC East, which is a much tougher division. And let's face it, he doesn't really have a good quarterback. All intents and purposes, Tua is not a good quarterback. He, He may end up as a sleeper because of the weapons he has around him, I just absolutely anyone who's thinking, thinking of getting Tyree kill and thinking that that guy's going to be a top eight wide receiver out of your mind is not happening. He is not going to even sniff the top 12 calling it right now. Bust, 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 bust. I like it. It's in lockstep with a lot of the things I've been saying about Tyree kill. Let me ask you this though. So where you said he's not, he's not going to sniff the top 12, where roughly where realistically, where do you think he's going to land this year in, uh, you know, in scoring, we'll call it half PPR. I think he ends up somewhere in the 15 to 20 range. Okay. So you think his upside is somewhere in the general vicinity of a back end WR one best case scenario. Yeah. And that's why I was saying like, when I view busts, I'm viewing it as like, you know, someone who traditionally has been a stud. I'm I'm willing to say they're no longer in that category. 
Sure. And that, that, yeah, that's cool. completely. And, that, and that's good. So I think you're, we're not that far apart, honestly, on, on, on Tyree Kill. You know, I, I think he does still have back end RWR1 upside, but I think it's a good call out. Like if you're, if you're thinking he's just going to roll out of bed and just be this, you know, top five stud receiver that he's been his whole career, I think you're out of your mind. And I know Aaron's kind of on the other side of this where he, he's not super worried about Tyree Kill, maybe a little bit, but not too, too much. Where I'm, this is a guy I've, I've been on for a while where I've, I've actually think he's one of the more overrated receivers in this generation. That doesn't mean he sucks. It doesn't mean I think he's terrible and he can't play. He has all world speed and you can't teach that, man. That thing is that, that speed is dirty. Like that, that guy, the guy, you know, he rose NFL quarterbacks for a reason and it's because he does have some talent, but you know, he's been in the perfect situation with Andy Reid's entire career and with Pat Mahomes for essentially the, the majority of his career, minus a year and a half or so with Alex Smith to start it out. So I like the call out. I've kind of, re- you know, gone on and on about Tyree Kill on, on, on this podcast in the past, so I won't do it again tonight, but I think it's a good call out, and at least in, in terms of him living up to his ADP this season for sure. All right, so I guess that just leaves uh, you, Kamish. Uh, you get the, the last busts. Aaron's, I don't know if he he, t- he heard my take and decided to jump off the second floor of a, <laughs> of a No, no, that's funny. I, I, I don't think it deserves – I mean, we've, we've talked Tyreek Hill a lot this season, you know, we, right after the trade and, you know, free agencies. We've had a couple shows about him. I, you know, I, I agree with you from, from your perspective. He's definitely not going to be the stud he once was. I do think he's going to deliver in a different consistency rate, you know, where – I think your value where he ends up is a little off. I think he's still eight. I would say he's wide receiver eight, but that's not, not, that's not near where, you know, where you were expecting him to be when you had him on your, your team in other years. Right. So like in the eight to 10 range, I think he, he can end up right. Being, being more like consistent in receptions I've said before, and, you know, getting like that easy 60, 70 yards, you know, six, seven receptions is kind of like a, a decent sweet spot to be at, right? But it's not like stud category, right? He's not going to get the the breakout games, the 180, 200 yard receivings, and crazy stuff like that. So that that's I, I've said that a couple times this year, where I just think your end value where, where he's going to end up is so slightly off. But um, I'm not gonna, yeah, I, I definitely don't. I don't put him in the stud category anymore either. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I, I hear where you're coming from. Um, and I'll, I'll actually stick with the Miami Dolphins for the for the last bust bust uh, cat, uh, candidate here, and I'll and I'll, I'll, I'll make it quick because we got a uh, best ball to get to. So the last bust that we ha- I have here is Chase Edmonds, and right now in this in the Fantasy Pros redraft rankings, he's seventy uh, eighth overall. That's seventh round draft capital, and position rank is RB thirty two. Uh, new head coach Mike McDaniel's coming over from the San Francisco 49ers, where he was the run game coordinator in what what really was a, uh, a full-blown committee approach. And that's, uh, that's not just coach speak either. Um, you know, that you know, he's kind of said done with his actions here or early in his tenure on the job in Miami, that he wants to do something bro- somewhat similar. You know, he's the free agent signings they've made this season are Edmonds, uh, Sony Michelle, they brought in and Raheem Mostert, who was in that San Francisco system and played well for, for a short period of time there. Uh, Miles Gaskin is also still on his rookie contract and will, will be in the fold this year. And, you know, it's really unpredictable to say, to say the least, like who's going to be the guy in Miami. And, you know, look what happened in San Fran last year. Mike McDaniel was in his final season with the 49ers. You know, Elijah Mitchell was a six round rookie and he ended up being the guy who kind of took over towards the end of the year. So 
we always preach that to follow what teams do with their actions and not so much what they say with their words. And if you look at what their actions are, have been at the other skill position players, they traded for Tyreek Hill and gave him a massive contract, re-signed Gusecki, signed Cedric Wilson. And, you know, let's face it, Chase Evans, his track record isn't that great when it comes to health. You know, he's missed eight games in, in the last three seasons, and that's really been as a, as a part-time player. At no point is he, for a consistent period in, within a single season, taken on this massive workload where he should be missing this kind of time. So he is himself isn't super healthy. And he's kind of just the opposite of what fantasy man, managers are looking for. You know, the two things that we want are volume and predictability. You know, we have no idea how this backfield is going to unfold. They have all those different, you know, numbers on the roulette wheel, if you will, that you know could hit any given week. So there's not really a whole lot of predictability there. And even if a guy or two goes down in front of him, there's no guarantee that he's going to walk into this massive workload. So if I'm drafting in the seventh round in a redraft league, that's still a quality pick. And if I'm looking for a running back, I'd way rather a guy like a Ronald Jones or a Melvin Gordon, who's going to give me, I think at least is going to give me some, some solid standalone value with more upside if the guy in front of him goes down, whether that be Javante Williams or, um, you know, you know, essentially any running back who has a, a, someone in front of him, like a CEH, for example. So that's really what I want to bet on in those mid-rounds. And that guy like Chase Evans, I just don't really see how Miami is going gonna, is gonna to be able to really make him super fantasy viable at any point this season. You know, he really need, would be like a rash of injuries all around him to become insanely fantasy viable. And I just also don't think that Miami's defense is going to be quite as good as San Fran's was a year ago. You know, when, when your defense is ranked fifth in the league and points allowed, it allows you to stay within your, your running scheme that you want to do when you're out there. And Miami, they were a middle of the pack unit last year going through a regime change. So just a lot of factors going on here with Chase Evans that really, really lead me to believe he's going to be a fantasy bust this season in his new landing spot in Miami. All right. I like it. I like it a lot. Is it one caveat here? Is it fair to say just the whole Miami backfield for running backs is, could be a bust potential? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of my thoughts there to where like, you know, I think right when you feel like you, you got it figured out who they're going to start, you know, with McDaniel's um, offense, they're just going to, they're still going to mix it up. You know, that's just how, as you said, that's how it, how it is. Right. So once you even figure out who the goal line back is, they'll, they'll probably run a, jet sweep on the five yard line to waddle right for a for a running touchdown or something so like that's just how he runs that offense and i would like to stay away from that backfield um hey maybe it's a potential for um you know our next segment where we talk about you know talking about you know some boomer bust players and whatnot but yeah i like to stay away from all miami running backs this year for sure and you guys forgot that the quarterback is probably a better running back than he is a quarterback so there's that too. Somewhat. Honestly, he's not two is actually not that big of a rusher if you look at his, his rushing stats. I don't think he's ever eclipsed 300 rushing yards in the season. And he he does he's he's decent around the red zone. He has three touched rushing touchdowns in each of his last uh, couple seasons here, but I he's actually sneaky not as uh as prolific as a runner as you'd think. But for the reasons that we've mentioned, I think uh all the all, all the bodies there, including two, is stealing some goal line work. Is just it's just bluff. Just stay away, Kamish. Sometimes your analytics ruin perfectly good placed humor about a quarterback's inability to throw the ball. <laughs> I, I I apologize for bringing facts to the argument. It's it's my it's my crush. That's all <laughs> we'll go best ball. Best ball. Uh, I. I 
I've done a couple best ball in DraftKings. I cashed in two of them. So uh, I'm no expert, but I I think I feel, feel pretty well in it. Um, they were season-long best ball. So um, it was interesting because it was the first time I ever did it. Um, Commissioner, I know you have a little bit more insight to it, so I'll let you kick off this topic. Great. Yeah, I, uh, I'll set the table here just kind of with just a basic, real basic rundown of what it is before we dive into anything too complicated on it. Uh, you know, when you hear best ball, yeah, think of it in turn as you would the golf term, best ball, where everyone hits a, hits a ball, you're all playing together, and whoever hits the best shot, you know, that's the one that counts. That's the one where everybody plays their, their next ball from. So in, in redraft best ball formats, you have a draft, and that's, that, that's literally the only thing that you do. There's no waiver moves. There's no trades. You're not setting lineups every single week. You draft, and that's it. And after each week, after the week comes to an end, the platform that you're playing on will retroactively start your best lineup in terms of points scored. So whichever whichever player scores the most points on your team at these at those specific position at their specific positions will be plugged into your starting line. And at the end of the season, whichever team scores the most points wins. And typically prizes will get awarded to the top couple teams, depending on the, the contest type you're playing in, whether it's a tournament, whether it's a massive entry field, or if it's like a 12 or 16 league, or even a three team league. Um, you know, some leagues do this in dynasty. It's personally not something that I like to do, but those leagues are out there. Um, and of course, if you're doing it in dynasty uh, as your scoring format, they'll, you'll still have things like trades. You'll still have free agent moves and, and, and pickups and, and rookie drafts to go along the way. So you do get that, that aspect of it if you do choose to do it in Dynasty. For me, it's more of a season-long or even a daily thing where that's possible. You know, the, the appeal here is that it really does emphasize the, what's really fun about, about the fantasy season. You know, there's a lot of buildup towards draft season. It's a long wait to get to it. And then within an hour, hour and a half or so, it's, you know, it could be over. So if, with these things, you, you could draft your team. You could draft a team over and over again without the – needing to spend ample amount of time during the season managing this thing over the course of four months. So, you know, most platforms offer the ability to do either a slow draft where you have hours to make a pick and it can drag on for weeks at a time. If you prefer to do that, some of them have fast draft options where you can even, you know, I I did it. I've done a couple drafts so far. I like to play once in a while. I'll, I'll throw a three team league in there and you can do a draft in 15 to 20 minutes. So you could do it against your friends. You could do it against random people and win real money. You know, it's, it really is kind of limitless of what you can what you can do in best ball. And it's available on a number of platforms. You can find it on FanDuel, DraftKings, and Underdog Fantasy is, is a site that I've, I've used the last couple seasons and uh, done pretty well on. So, you know, there's leagues that are available to join right now. Like, you can you can listen to this recording, get on any of those sites, and you can sign up for these best ball drafts. So, if you're, if you're not the type like me, you're impatient, and you want to get to the fantasy season as quickly as you can – you know, this is, this is good. You can listen to what we have to say about this and you can jump into one of these leagues right away. So I just did, I just did my first one last week and you know, it's kind of like right after rookie draft season when I, when I like to dive into it. So that's kind of just a high level explanation of what a best ball draft is and where you can find them. But uh, you know, when you guys attack a best ball league, I guess, what are you looking for here? Yeah, I think, you know, one backing up a little bit is like one cool thing about it. It kind of gives you a little break from the, the grind of fantasy is like, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, hey, which matchup am I going to put in or, you know, which guy's going to be have the hot hand or a hot week, right? Where, you know, it all comes to into the strategy of building your team. 
right? So I think that's kind of a cool aspect. And that's kind of like even, you know, some people, some friends out there that are football fans that actually don't like fantasy. That's why they don't like, um, you know, to be in fantasy leagues, right? They're like, yeah, you know, you know, you know, it's kind of all luck, right? But with with best ball, um, you know, it, it's a little bit of the the strategy of what you're putting in your team. I think that's a cool aspect. I, I haven't done it a whole lot, as as Carmen said. I've, I've been done like two or three leagues as well, and in, in, in DraftKings. Um, but you know, the way you know I, I've approached it is, I kind of like going towards like the boomer bus guys, meaning. Um, you know, the guys that, um, you know, in fantasy, they're not your week to week starters, but they're the ones that are capable of just having blow up games, right? Guys that you can steal in the later rounds in this type of a setup. Um, and then that positions typically a wide receiver, right? Because wide receivers kind of have the most volatile seasons, right? They're kind of the most boomer bust positions in, in general. Um, so I feel like if you load up and load your team mostly with wide receivers, you're going to kind of hit more often in, in, you know, whatever receiver has a good week, that's what's going to score for you. And then those receivers can, can kind of have those crazy games. Right. So the approach I like to take is, you know, once you get, you know, try to get a steady stud running back or someone that, you know, is going to get a lot of reps and then just load up on wide receivers. in in my, my opinion, right. Cause like I said, they're your most boomer bust position. And if you're just playing odds, like chances are one of your guys are going to hit and have a big week, right? Um, opposed to some of the guys are just week in, week out in, in some of the other positions. So um, that's one of my one of my tips is I like the boomer bust guys and I like loading up on wide receivers. All right. So I'm actually a little bit with my best ball strategy. I think you cannot afford to take risks. Um, with guys who aren't gonna score week in and week out. That's, uh, that's my own personal take on it. So like guys like who haven't even played in the league yet, I won't even risk throwing them on my, on my best ball roster. Right. Cause I want guys who are proven commodities, uh, week in and week out. I'm on the other end of it where I say you're going to load up on running backs and I think that there's enough middle tier wide receivers um, that you can continue to score points with them. But the running backs, you know, especially being the position that also you go all worry about catastrophic injuries with, um, I tend to lean towards loading up on as many stud running backs early and then go with those wideouts that you can get value with, you know, um, in the later end of things like a Gabriel Davis or uh, someone like an Allen Robinson this year would be for me, Allen Robinson is a, this year would be a great best ball guy to have. Um, That's kind of my take on it. But I also, I just, one thing I firmly believe in is you can't afford uh, to take risks because if you got someone on the bottom end of your roster and he's a rookie and you know, you don't know what he's going to do yet. And then all of a sudden you have an injury, like a catastrophic injury. Now you're really, really, really in a bad position. So uh, that's my my general strategy, Kamish, uh, I guess, to answer your question. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, so you guys seem to be kind of in, in different camps in best ball. And I'm actually going to come right down the middle on this one. So to back up a, a, a tick here, the 
most best ball drafts, they, they're comprised of 18 rounds, and most starting requirements are one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, and one flex spot. So when I attack a best ball draft, I come out of almost all of them with three quarterbacks, three tight ends, six running backs, and six wide receivers just about every single time. And the reason I do that is because I, I want to make sure that I'm covered, especially at the tight end and quarterback on the bye week front, because if you have an injury pop up at quarterback and your other two guys have the same bye week, now you're getting a zero in your lineup for, for a week at that position. And I don't want to deal with that. You know, I want to be scoring points and putting them up on the board every single week. You know, even if it's a down week, it's better to get, you know, 13, 14, 15 points out of your quarterback spot than it is to take a zero. So I play those positions pretty close to the best. I'm not nearly as worried about bye weeks at, at running back or wide receiver. And I just think that, you know, when, when injuries pop up, it really does hurt you. So I want to be super mindful of that at quarterback and tight end. And I, I also subscribe to the theory of, and you've heard me say this a few times on the podcast, is you don't want to lose your draft in the first few rounds. So what rounds one through four, even in best ball, I, I wanted those solid producers that I think have a legit path to finish in the top 12 with their respective position. That's kind of the safe. Those are kind of your safe plays where, you know, this guy's going to give me a high floor every single week with some upside to blow up. And when those guys blow up, it's great. You'll have them in your lineup and it's awesome. But after that, that's what I really want to swing for the fences. You know, the feast or famine guys that can kind of kill you in a, in a redraft league are, are guys that you're okay rostering because you have, if I have six wide receivers, I, I have the ability to, I can, I can kind of ride the wave a little bit. You know, if, if two of those guys have dud weeks, all I need is one of my other bench wide receivers to have at least a decent week and I, I'll get a high floor there. And then from there, you're kind of filling in those, those high scoring weeks with the wide receivers that you're getting in the middle of your draft. So I do like to lean running back early, like Carmen said, but I do absolutely love to take the upside of the wire of those receivers in the middle of best ball drafts that, that Aaron was talking about, because the play, the play it safe guys in terms of like your middle of middle of draft redraft pieces that you can kind of toss into a flex spot aren't really the guys that do it for me in these leagues. I want a bunch of upside guys in the mid to late rounds. And I want my safer guys to be the studs that you're taking early on. And I'll, and I'll just highlight a couple quick, uh, prime targets from my, my most recent most recent best ball draft. This, this just happened on underdog a few days ago. You know, Mike Williams went in the fifth round. Brandon Cooks went in the seventh round. Ronald Jones went in the eleventh round. Will Fuller in the twelfth round. And I know Fuller's not on the team, but like if there was ever a format for a guy like Will Fuller, it's best ball. And I think <laughs> yeah yeah there you go Aaron. I, I I know that's your guy, but like if there was ever a format for a guy, it's Will Fuller. And because he goes absolutely nuclear. Again, a couple of weeks, and then he gets pop or PEDs or he gets hurt. So that's kind of how my 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 basic strategy when I when I go to attack a best ball draft is I want the I want my my win now running backs early. I want the upside receivers in the middle, and I want to make sure I have my, a nice balanced roster so injuries and bye weeks don't kill me when they do inevitably start to pile up. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I think you explained that better. You know, the point I was trying to say with with wide receivers, I think you. I think you said that in detail a little bit better than what I was explaining. Um, but yeah, like I, I think those wide receiver threes on the depth chart, those are like the guys I really like that, you know, like the Russell Gages or the Cedric Wilson's uh, Hunter Renfro's of, of last year. Like some of those guys that are kind of under the radar that, you know, have those big weeks um, to your point. I, I like when they, you know, have those boom weeks. Um, I got a question for you too. So, how do you approach guys when you already know half of their season? For instance, 
how do you, you know, where do you draft guys like DeAndre Hopkins or, um, you know, even Michael Thomas from a year ago, even though he didn't play, you know, there was a chance he was going to play, you know, how, how far do you take a stab on those guys? I know Carmen's opinion of, you know, you got to stay away from a a lot of those guys, but at at what point do you, you know, do you, do you grab them right to, you know, knowing that Hopkins has a six game suspension, you know, where, where, where's guy, where are guys like that going in, in the best ball leagues? Yeah, it's, it's really, really league dependent, especially this early in the season. You know, we're just coming out of rookie drafts, like I was saying. So now we're kind of getting into the, the early stages of the best ball season. So ADPs are kind of all over the place right now. So it's hard to say where he should land that we don't really just don't have the information to kind of formulate that consensus. I can tell you with me personally, I would still be in on a guy like Hopkins because of the, you know, the upside that he does have. He should still slot into the number one receiver role in Arizona when he comes back. He is going to be fighting for targets with a lot of different, a lot of good pass catchers. But if I can grab him around like the seventh or eighth round, maybe ninth round of, of a best ball draft, I'd be comfortable with that because I'll still have, with my formula, I'll still have five receivers to fill that void until he, you know, until he comes back. And a few of those guys are going to have bye weeks later in the season. So that you know can kind of build the bridge at least for for me to get Hopkins back for for the stretch run where I'm trying to you know stack up points and win. But you know it, people will have very different opinions on this, and a lot of times in best ball drafts you don't know who you're competing with, so you don't really know where their what their thought process is here. So he's a guy that is an interesting best ball play, and it's a really good call out on, on your end for for throwing him out there. But he's a guy that I, he's on my radar. But he's not a guy I'm probably going to have much of just at around that ADP. I think there's just some other guys I'd rather take shots on that are going to be, you know, scoring points for me in the first six weeks of the year. It can do enough for me later where I'm more comfortable grabbing some of those guys than I am a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I totally wouldn't even fathom the idea of DeAndre Hopkins at all. Uh, only, only way I would look at it is if, I was really confident in the other five guys that I had already drafted at wide receiver because I just don't want to go weeks. Like, okay, you got six weeks with no Hopkins. And then let's say you go ahead and you have uh, Will Fuller, right? Now that guy's one play away from being done, you know, anytime he plays on the field. So now you've limited yourself to four options and let's hope that none of those guys are boomer bust guys. Cause you're going to really put yourself in a bind. So I'm a little bit more on the um, slow and steady wins the race, I guess uh, with guys like that, I, I wouldn't touch them at all. Well, you don't have to, that's the beauty of it. You know, you can, uh, you can build your best ball roster any, any way you want. And uh, you know, there, there, there are different ways to go about it. You know, if you the way I look at it, I guess I I personally play in so many best ball leagues. I probably in 10, 10 plus ten plus every single year, um, where I'm, I'm okay swinging for the fences everywhere because I'm going to hit in a few places. And all it takes when you play in that many contests is to win a few of them because the payouts are are in your favor. You know, you can you can join a five dollar league and you can if you come in first or second, you're looking at a really good chunk of change. Like so, if you hit on a couple, if you go all upside. And you hit on a few leagues. That's all you need to to make money. And when you're talking, you know, the gambling aspect that we, that we do on here, that that's all you're looking for. So I'm I'm okay with with, with risks. I'm not super risk averse. That's just how I choose to do it. But there's definitely more than one way to skin a cat in best ball. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely like, you know, the biggest takeaway, you know, with me, me starting off just last year with it is I liked you just break down of the, um, you know, just your strategy of how many, you know, to begin with, how many players do you want on, on your team? Yeah. I think that's just a strategy and in, in its own, but you gotta, you gotta hit. Like, I think, I think I had that situation last year where I ended up having a big fat zero on a week with my quarterback due to, you know, either a bye week or one of them getting hurt, you know, and just not having the good, the right ratio of QBs. Right. So that's a, you know, that's a big takeaway I got just from that point there too, that, you know, just the, just the breakdown of the positions, you got to make sure you're, you know, evenly spread out with. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely an interesting topic. I, I really enjoyed it. And the, and the, the, the couple I did on DraftKings, and it had nothing to do with the fact that I won some money, but I, it, I, I didn't, I, I thought it was fun to your pet point earlier, Kamish. I thought it was fun to draft a team and then not worry about the maintenance of it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just draft it and then and see. You know, at the midway point, I was like, holy crap, I'm in third. I was like, wow, I'm, I'm doing pretty good in this thing. And then I actually, like, re-looked at it, and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, I haven't had any major injuries, and, you know, I've had some guys who had monster weeks. So it was fun from that perspective. Of, of, it is a nice break from the monotony of fantasy, so to speak. Yeah, it's great. You can just kind of check in on it as, at your leisure, which is awesome. Like, I kind of forget. I did – I'm all about best ball like this time of year before I really drive, drive into redraft season. And then I look back, you know, in mid October or I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. I did like 12 of these best ball drafts. Like, how am I doing? And <laughs> a lot of, a lot of the sites do a good job of showing you like where you're at in terms of you know where you, where you stack up compared to your competition. So it's just something like neat in the back of your mind where you're kind of, you know, the middle of the season hits and you're, you're kind of bored of sifting through waiver wire trash. You know, and you're like, I don't, I want to look at something else. And you can just kind of pull up that app and check it out if you, if you do the season-long contests like I do. And the other fun thing, too, like when you play in tournaments, some of these are like some real big money tournaments you get in on for like 5, 10, you know, 20 bucks, where some of them have like million-dollar prizes. Even. So it's kind of nice, like, at least in the back of your head, you know, you're buying a lottery ticket in, in some ways. But at least like when you scratch a lottery ticket at the gas station, it tells you you're a loser right away. At least this one lets you hope, give you hope for four months you know, when you buy this lottery ticket that you got the chance that maybe you'll, you'll, you'll hit it big. If you uh, can put some of this useless fantasy football knowledge to work for you. Yeah. That's until you had, you got Will Fuller as a top five wide receiver and he blows out his knee or he gets busted for PDs and ruins your whole hopes and aspirations. But uh, I guess that's all we got on best ball. Any final uh, call outs before we wrap this thing up? No, I mean, I guess I'll just say for both of you guys, I'll, I'll say go Celtics for you guys. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely keep watching the finals. Um, one other thing is, uh, you know, social media. Um, you know, I know we've been, you know, Commission and I are pretty active. Uh, Carmen, you over there on on our IG too. So um, I know we're we're wanting to reach out a lot and help help a lot of people with uh, questions. So we're we're definitely, you know. Sometimes the world of social media is not always fun to, you know, put yourself out there and wait for to kind of get, you know, bashed down by hundreds of people if you ask a sim- simple question. So if you want to reach out to us, you know, we'll take take the time and, and walk you through, you know, our thoughts over maybe your your fantasy team or something like that. And, um, you know, we're, we're definitely willing to help, you know, on the podcast, but then on the, on our socials as well. 
Yeah, throw it out there. You know, we're we're a three man team here, and and sometimes whether you're a new dynasty owner or if you've been playing for a few years, it, sometimes a second, third, fourth set of eyes are, are a good thing. And you know, we're we're definitely around to help. Where we have you know, Aaron and I at least have a pretty big social media presence out there. So feel free to uh, the fire questions our way, whether it's in those bigger groups or or in our DMs. You know, we're 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 a good we're a good trio here, and it's a really really good way for you to get. You know, three 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 brains who are just thinking dynasty twenty four seven to uh to help your team out. So definitely love hearing from listeners and definitely love helping people out wherever we can. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll definitely keep things on the IG, on the Facebook, all that stuff. Um, just don't ask me any opinions on Will Fuller. <laughs> you can leave you can leave that for Aaron and Kamish. Uh, don't ask me about the Atlanta Falcons quarterback because I won't even waste five seconds talking about it. Um, you can ask those questions to commissioner Aaron as well. But uh, as I always like to say, this was a fun one. Go Celtics and peace.